My name is Frank and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. And boy, this is great. You guys got 42 participants. I, I, I used to come to this, well, I've been in LA for um, oh, 42 years and I've been coming to the century meeting occasionally. I live down in Santa Clara, so it's a little bit of a trip for me, but I've been coming um, for at least 20, 20, 20, 20 or 30 years, something like that, occasionally. Um, and it used to be this big and then it shrank a lot and now it's big again after post pandemic. I'm very grateful for that. Anyway, let me just uh, plunge into my story. Like I said, I've got 42 years in OA and I, um, I currently have uh, 15 years, but in about 10 days, I'll have 16 years if, God, if God's willing. And let me first give you the, the weight history. My top weight before I came into OA was 430 pounds. I actually walked in the doors at around 380 pounds. I got down to 200 pounds in the first year in the program. And I stayed near there for about eight or nine years. And then I entered into a long period of alternating relapse recovery, relapse recovery. The problem was I always gained more weight in the relapse periods than I lost during the recovery periods. So even though it might've been 50-50 relapse recovery, my weight went up and up and up. And during that period, I got to a new top weight of 460 pounds. And 15, almost 16 years ago now, I was at 400 pounds and that's when I started my current abstinence. And it took me about uh, two years to get down to my goal weight of around 200 pounds. And I'm in my goal weight range, a little bit above 200, but close enough. So um, that's the, the weight history. Um, my history is that I was raised in a very traditional church and you know, I, I bought into it 100%. But then in high school, I really got into science and math and physics, especially. And I basically converted to atheism there because, you know, the laws of physics don't seem to have exceptions that allow God to come in and change things in the universe because that would violate the laws of physics. And since the laws of physics are as accurate as we know, uh, there's no way that God could possibly have any influence on our, on our lives. So it's, it's a non-entity if it, if it does exist. So I, um, you know, I became an atheist and I, you know, I got, I did very well in high school and I went away to a prestigious college and then a prestigious graduate school. And my whole goal was to become a physicist. But the problem is addictions started kicking in. Um, my weight history is that I, in eighth grade, I got the name hippo, even though I was maybe only 15 or 20 pounds overweight, but that, that's what happens in eighth grade. Um, and in my first year going away to college in the dorm, they had unlimited seconds, and I probably gained about 40 pounds in that first year in, in college. I probably left my four-year college at around 300 pounds, and I got to the 430 pounds in graduate school out here in California. And, you know, that's where, you know, I was just miserable at that weight. And I also got into other addictions, too. I, I, I'm convinced that food is my primary addiction but I also got into alcohol and weed. Um, those were the main two other substances. And so, you know, I wasn't doing very well in graduate school. And I realized I couldn't really continue as a physicist after that because I wasn't going to get uh, good, good uh, recommendations. So I switched over to software engineering here in, in Silicon Valley, and I was very successful there and uh, did well. was able to retire young, so I've been retired for a while now. So anyway, um, I had to come to a, I had to hit a really hard bottom in order to come to a program that talks about God as an atheist. First of all, I had to come before there was an internet because when I joined OA, there was no internet. 
So I couldn't go look it up and see that it was a, th a theistic thing. And I, you know, I would reject it and I wouldn't even go to my first meeting. So the hard bottom I hit was not only with my weight, but also with the other substance abuses. And that wasn't even enough. I, I became friends with this woman at work. And then for a little while, it was more than friends. And then she wanted to go back to just being friends again. And that the pain of that is what got me to, to look for some help. So I called the local Palo Alto Medical Clinic and they said, oh, there was a therapist who was in here a week or two ago and he, he talked talking about weight loss. So I called him and he said he would take me on as a client, but I'd have to go to Overeaters Anonymous meetings simultaneously while I was seeing him. Now, at that time, I just looked up Overeaters Anonymous in the phone book. I called the number and somebody called me back after I left the message and they told me where there, there was a meeting near me. So I went to my first OA meeting on a Wednesday at noon on the Stanford campus. I was living in Palo Alto at the time. And I, um, it was a very small meeting. There were like only three or four people and they were all sitting on beanbag chairs in this little beanbag chairs in this room. And they let me cross talk and they let me, they answered my questions about how can an atheist work this program? And they tried to convince me that you didn't need to believe in a traditional higher power in order to work this program. You could use anything that works for you. You could use the meeting as your higher power, for example. Well, somebody at that meeting loaned me the AA Big Book, and they suggested I take it home and read the chapter We Agnostics. They thought that might be helpful to me. So I took the book home, I read that, and then I was convinced this program was, was not for me because the only message I got from that chapter was, if you stick with us, we will convert you. And I was not interested in being converted, thank you. I was very happy with my atheism. Um, so I would not have gone back to that second meeting, except that they loaned me the big book for the first meeting. So I felt like I had to go back and return the book to the person that loaned it to me. So I went to my second meeting uh, a week later, the same Wednesday noon meeting. And I guess I hit a little more of a bottom in between the first meeting and the second meeting. I was a little more willing to believe them when they said I didn't need to believe in a traditional higher power. So I ended up going to my third meeting on the same day as the second meeting. I went to a Wednesday night meeting down in San Jose, which was a much bigger meeting, probably 30 people, something like that. And there I got the hope that I needed because this man stood up and he was a thin man standing up there in front of the, of the room. And he talked about how he had lost over 100 pounds and had kept it off for years. And that's a miracle. I mean, you know, that doesn't happen normally. Normally people lose some weight and then they gain some back, if not gaining it all back. So that was, that's what gave me the hope. And I kind of plunged into the program, again, ignoring the spiritual part of it. I got a food plan. I got a food sponsor. And I, being a physicist, I knew the law of conservation of energy. So I, my food plan was to count calories. And I was basically a quantity eater all of my life. And, and it wasn't that I must so much binged on one particular food or another food. It was just quantity of food. You know, meat and potatoes would be a binge food for me. So... Um, so I counted calories and that worked very well. And I was losing weight rapidly. And um, there's a story about how I finally gave up the alcohol and the weed, but I won't go into that here because that's not what this 12-step program is about. But I did, get I did get sobriety within about six months after being in OA. And I've had that abstinence ever since. So I've got 41 years uh, of, of sobriety. Anyway, um, so I was working a food program and um, and then what happened is a man volunteered to be my, my step sponsor. I didn't have a step sponsor at the time and he volunteered to be my step sponsor. And this is like six months or eight months into the program, something like that. 
And he was the perfect step sponsor for me. He, he had also lost over hundred pounds. He had had multiple addictions. He, um, you know, start, came into the program as an atheist. So, you know, he must've realized I needed a sponsor just like him. And that's why he volunteered to be my sponsor. And so he could, he could get me through the first step. Yes, I admitted I was powerless over food. You know, all of my willpower I tried all, the, all of my life, you know, never worked. I, I was never able to lose any significant weight for any significant period of time. So I was definitely powerless over food. For the second step, he got me to, first of all, give up the debate. You know, I had this little proof that God doesn't exist. What good did that proof do, do for me? It didn't do any good for me at all. However, if I could come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, what good would that do for me? Well, being restored to sanity, especially about the food, would be a very good thing. So I, that was giving up the debate. And then the second thing he got me to do was to just act as if. And he asked me basically to pray, even though I didn't think I was praying to anything. And to my horror and disgust, it worked. If I prayed, I usually got the serenity that I needed because it was usually, I usually said the serenity prayer. That's the prayer that I said. And I was usually trying to change some person, place, or thing that I was powerless over. And whenever I could get the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, that's, that, that helped. That helped me. So the serenity prayer helped me by getting me serenity because I almost, I almost always needed that compared to my trying to change people, places, and things. So that got me through trying to act as if, and I, and I, you know, I used various higher powers initially. I, I used, I think the group is the higher power by going to the meetings. I got strength and support and I could, you know, make it to the next meeting without overeating. And, um, and then eventually I, 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 I developed what I call my higher power, higher self. I got a higher self that I call the higher power. I'm sorry. I got a higher power that I call the higher self. So my higher self is a higher power. And the main thing I need to know is that the Frank that's talking to you right now, this is the Frank who's the compulsive reader of the addict. This is the Frank who is selfish and self-centered. This is the Frank who's addicted to food and other substances. And that there's a higher self within me that's not Frank. And that this higher self is the part that has the wisdom and the strength to help me not take that first bite one day at a time to you know, direct my thinking away from food into more, more uh, useful things and, and, and that kind of help there. So, so, and when I pray, I'm praying to that higher self. And when I'm meditating, I'm trying to get in touch with that higher self in my meditation. So that's the way that I, uh, what I've come up with. And I've actually gotten a much more elaborate definition of that higher self, which I won't go into here because it's not an OA issue, but I, I'm, I'm trying to write a book on that. So I have my higher self, higher power, and, um, and I work the steps all the way through the first time in the, in the first year of the program, basically. Um, I, I will give one little story about step four. I had been procrastinating on doing step four because I knew that I'd read ahead and I knew that I'd have to, to share my step four with my sponsor in step five. And there were some deep, dark secrets, you know, the sexual type secrets that I didn't want to tell anybody about. And so I... I put off uh, starting step four. So one day my sponsor said, Frank, I'm gonna pick you up early for our Saturday morning meeting and um, I'll, I'll take you to the meeting. So he picked me up an hour early. We went to the meeting and we were sitting in his car and he pulled out a notebook and a pen and he had, said, here, start working on the four step. So instead of actually working on the four step, what I did was I basically told him all those deep dark secrets that I was afraid to tell him or anybody. And he did not kick me out of the car. He told, he told me similar stories about himself uh, in those areas. 
And, you know, it was a great relief to me that, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, it, it, it was a doing, so I, I basically did the fifth step before I did the fourth step, but then I went back and I wrote down the fourth step and, you know, covered other issues. And, uh, and I did work the steps through the program there. So, um, so what do I want to talk about now? Um, well, I, I, let me, well, I guess I should tell more of the history. So I was successful in the program. I uh, lost all my weight. I was, you know, asked to speak at a lot of meetings. Um, I was the chairperson of our intergroup at the time towards, you know, like eight, eight years or so into the program. I was the World Service Business Conference delegate. I knew the members of the Board of Trustees of Overeaters Anonymous personally, um, you know, and I was asked to speak at, at meetings like, you know, at the Region 2 Assembly, a Region 2 convention, keynote speaker at the convention in San Jose. And my ego was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And my first sponsor moved to the East Coast. So I had to get another sponsor. And then he moved down to LA. And I was in between sponsors at the time when I had my first binge. And my, my plan for going to restaurants in general or to a buffet in particular is to have one plate. So I'd go through the buffet and hopefully put a lot of salad on the plate, maybe some of the entrees, but I'd have the one, eight, one plate, eat it, and that would be my abstinent meal. On this buffet, I went to a buffet all by myself, and that was the danger right there. Usually I went with other people. And I ended up having three plates. Now the second and third plate weren't as big as the first plate, but you know, three does not equal one. Now the thing is, I was between sponsors and I couldn't tell anybody about the break in abstinence because then I had to give up all my service positions that I had. And I wanted to go to the World Service Business Conference that year, I was the delegate. So I didn't tell anybody and then I had another binge a week later and then another binge and another binge. And finally I had to admit that I was no longer abstinent and gave up my certain positions. And that's when I started that long period of alternating relapse recovery, relapse recovery back and forth. And, um, you know, the only way that I know that I, the, what, what happened is I just hit bottom, I believe. And I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's one of the definitions of insanity is, uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I just surrendered, you know, coming up on 16 years ago now. And what happened is that year, I, I also stopped going to the Region 2 convention or to retreats. And I used to go to all those things in days in OA. I basically was sticking to one or two meetings a week. If I was absent, I might do two meetings a week. If I wasn't absent, it might be a meeting every other week, something like that. So, you know, the, my, the number of meetings I attend is definitely correlated with my abstinence. And then finally, like I said, 16 years ago, I must have just surrendered at one deeper level. And I decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the Region 2 convention this year. And it happened to be in Oakland at that time. So I went to the Region 2 convention and there I got a lot of, of, of I got a lot of program, first of all. I also went to the, program, to the convention with five days of abstinence. I started on the Monday before the convention. You know, you always start a food plan on Monday, right? So I had five days of abstinence. I got to see all my friends that I hadn't seen for many years because um, they kept going to the conventions even when I stopped. And I got a big boost to my program. And I decided to do a meeting a day for 90 meetings in 90 days. And then that was working so well that I actually kept up a meeting a day for about three years. And there were some days when I couldn't make it to a meeting, but I'd go to two meetings on another day. And so my long-term average was above 1.0 meeting per day uh, for those three years. And then gradually I decreased the five meetings a week and four meetings a week. And before the pandemic it was down to two meetings a week, 
And now it's back up to four to five meetings a week. So um, uh, the pandemic has been a good thing from that point of view. So, um, so that's how I started my absence. And like I said, I was 400 pounds at that time. And in, in about two years, I lost uh, close to 200 pounds and got down to my goal weight range. And, um, and I've worked the steps a couple of times since I've been back here uh, absent again. And, um, you know, and, and at this point, I'd like to talk about my definition of absence right now. And I, I do have a, a, a slightly unusual definition of abstinence. First of all, I, um, well, here's what I abstain from, and, and you don't have to write this down. I'm gonna post this in the chat when I'm finished here, but I abstain from four things. I abstain from starting over. I abstain from perfectionism. I abstain from negativity and I abstain from leaving OA. So let me just talk about each one of them in turn. You know, the starting over, that is something that I did all of the time back there when I was, you know, in my relapse and recovery period where I was up to 460 pounds. You know, if I had too much for breakfast, oh, I'll start over tomorrow. And what that really means is I'm going to eat everything I can for the rest of the day because I'm going to be absent of tomorrow. And when tomorrow came, I may or may not start that day. I might put it off for another day. You know, I can start over tomorrow every day, one day at a time. It's a one day at a time program. I'll start over tomorrow. I just had the wrong day. It was tomorrow instead of today. So um, that's what I mean by no starting over. So, and I only claim six, by the way, I only claim um, 15 years of imperfect abstinence. I do not have perfect abstinence. I don't weigh and measure everything. In fact, I don't weigh and measure anything. I eyeball it all. And there are some meals that are bigger than other meals. And what I, what I mean by no starting over is that, you know, if I have a meal that's bigger than I want it to be, like, you know, at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it, those tend to be slightly bigger meals. And what I do is I just let it go as soon as the meal is over and, and I'm not starting over. I just try to make the next meal be a moderate meal. So I'm just trying to do moderate meals now. And that's how I've been trying to maintain my weight here. So that's no starting over. And the second thing I've seen from is perfectionism. That's why I only claim imperfect abstinence. And, you know, I'm imperfect in everything I do. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an imperfect husband. I'm an imperfect father. I'm an imperfect OA member. I'm an imperfect uh, Zoom host. You name it, I, I've got imperfections all over the place. And then the third thing is negativity. That's the hardest thing for me to, to abstain from. But, but that's important because I can be a very critical person complaining about this, that, and the other thing. And uh, if I can learn to let go of that and, to, and be less negative, that would be a good thing. And then finally, I commit to, to abstain from leaving away. I'm not gonna leave away again. Even if I gain you know, 400 pounds, get back up to 400 pounds, I'm gonna keep coming to OA because I know that this is the answer. You know, I didn't, I didn't go and try any other program when I, when I had my relapse because I knew that OA was the answer. It, it had worked for me once, it could work for me again. But I, but I just couldn't work the program. I, you know, I had some, some mental block or whatever. So anyway, um, so that's my, the four things I abstained from. And by the way, those are not original to me. Somebody at a meeting that I was at about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, something like that, she stood up at the meeting and said those four things in her, in her share. And I loved them. So I, I adopted them immediately. Those are, those are going to be my abstinence now. And it was interesting. I, I, I talked to her uh, during the pandemic here because she had moved far away, and, but I happened to see her at a meeting. And I said, boy, thank you so much for the, your definition of abstinence, those four things. And I, she said, what four things? So I told her. And she, she didn't remember saying that at that time. 
So it had a really big impact on me, but she didn't remember even saying it. So um, I thank her anyway. So that, that's my definition of absence. And like I said, I'll post that in the chat. And, um, you know, the big book talks about selfishness and self-centeredness as being the root of our problems. And I absolutely uh, believe that. And in fact, at another OE meeting I was at, there was a quiz that, that someone recited during the meeting. And I really like the quiz. So I'm going to recite it for you to hear. And what this is, is it's the am I selfish quiz. And it's, and it's, yeah, well, you'll see what it is. So let me just read it to you. So here, here it is. Am I selfish? If, and again, I'm going to paste this post in this chat so you don't have to try to write it down or take any notes. Am I selfish? If I am resentful, it's because someone did not do what I wanted them to do in the past. They did not do it my way, and that is being selfish. If I'm angry, it's because someone is not doing what I want them to do right now. They are not doing it my way, and that is being selfish. If I am fearful, it's because I know that someone is not going to do what I want them to do in the future. They are not going to do it my way, and that is being selfish. If I feel guilty or remorseful, is because I got my own way at your expense, and that is being selfish. If I feel jealous or envious, it's because someone has something I want, and I want it now, and that is being selfish. So, so that's the, the, the Am I Selfish quiz. And you, know, you can apply it to any of the character defects that you have. They all get related back to that selfishness and self-centeredness. And you know, that's, the, that's the Frank, that's the compulsive reader, that's the, the, uh, the, the Frank that I talk about that's the addict. That's the part that's selfish and self-centered. The higher, the higher self part of me is not selfish and self-centered. It just accepts the entire world exactly the way it is, with no criticism, no complaints, no trying to change things. In fact, it's not, its job is not to change things. Frank is the one that's going out there doing things in the world, trying to make things be different than the way they are. So the, the higher self is perfectly fine with the world exactly the way it is and can help me to be fine with the world exactly the way it is. And, you know, when I, when I say that I, um, what, one of the ways I describe myself is I say that I'm a spiritual atheist and I, I have a higher self, I have a higher power, higher self, but it's not the traditional higher, the traditional God that most people have in this program. That's why I call myself a spiritual atheist. And the way that I talk about being spiritual is that I try to work spiritual practices in my life. And, and again, I'll post this in the chat too. I have a list of the spiritual practices that I try to work. Um, so I, I have spiritual practices like prayer, meditation, trying to practice forgiveness, trying to live in the now, trying to have gratitude in my life, trying to surrender, trying to accept life the way it is, and, and to trust in the future, that the future is going to be okay, that, you know, I don't have to worry, of things like that. So, you know, prayer is, Frank, that addict part of me, trying to ask the higher self for help with living life, you know, help with uh, avoiding slippery situations, help to avoid taking that first bite. Meditation is where Frank, the addict, is trying to get in touch with the higher self's strength and, and support and insight and, and, you know, get in touch with that higher self within me. Forgiveness is the, the Frank letting go of the selfishness, the self-centeredness and, and accepting people, places and things exactly the way they are. Living in the now is something that that Frank doesn't do. Frank, Frank wants to live in the past, you know, reliving the past and what about somebody hurt me and resentments in the past, or I'm off worrying about the future, what's going to happen X, Y, Z, you know, with a pandemic or whatever. 
And living in the now is where the higher self is all the time. It's always living in the now. It's just accepting the world exactly the way it is right now. And gratitude, again, is something that doesn't come natural to Frank. Frank wants to complain. That's why I try to give up the negativity. And surrendering to the higher self is, is, is part of the practice, spiritual practice here. And surrendering to this program, you know, surrendering to my wife. You know, I, I have to try to live life on equal terms with my wife. I can't be in charge and, and she be subservient to me. And then accepting everything and everybody exactly those, as the way they are. And then trusting that my higher self, higher power can, can help me to um, get through life. So those are the spiritual practices. I'll post those plus the, um, my definition of abstinence plus my Am I Selfish quiz. And I think I've got about 30 seconds left, but I think I'm running out of steam. So I'll stop right here. Thanks.